Hi, this is Taxi's Chronicles and I'm your host, Simon Rushton. Today I picked up a number of people, but there's one person who's really shined, or you could say shined, above the, the rest. He had a very interesting story. Um, this, I'll try and keep this brief, but I pulled up and he was standing in a location like many customers where it was really inconvenient to pick him up double red line bus line bus lane and all that kind of thing anyway he kindly was happy to walk about 80 meters down the road to where i was to save me getting a ticket but why i'm telling you this because when he got in the car he was like all really jolly and really happy but his eyes was kind of bulging and glazed and i didn't really think anything of it when i looked at his eyes but i just thought you know, he's a happy guy, we're going to have a good, interesting ride, blah, blah, blah. And he is going from South London all the way to part of North London. Anyway, he started talking about himself. I don't know how he got onto this conversation topic. But he was saying how um, he came from a really good school and he's well off and he's got quite a large family as it goes and... He um, got into the dance scene, illegal underground rave parties kind of things. His friends all had sound systems because, and then he started to get into the, the drug game, just helping people, supplying people. But he said he always made sure he never got his hands dirty. Anyway, one thing led to another and he had a bit of a, uh, there was a situation, the, the old bill was kept on trying to get him, they couldn't get him, and um, then he was in a car one time, and there's a bit of a situation, and somebody who was caught slipping, and the old bill pulled, pulled him over, and he was in a predicament where he had some small grams, now I'm not up to speed on drugs i've never dr- drunk i don't drink i don't smoke and i've never done any recreational drugs i don't even do synthetic jobs that the the pharmaceutical companies like to push to you so bear with me when i'm explaining this whole story but from that he's like fighting the court case fighting the court case and the judge didn't want him to send him to jail and he he openly said he said listen i'm a well brought up kid from the right kind of stock and family. And I'm a posh kid, basically, he said. Um, And the judge just kept on trying to find excuses not to send me to jail. He said, we don't need to send you to jail. He's not not built for jail, was his exact words. Now, (laughs) you could hear many privileged words and what have you screaming there, but it's just life, I suppose. It's just, if you're loaded and you're connected, they don't send you to jail, or they don't want to. But anyway, he decided he's going to go to South Africa. He went to South Africa, and he's got in the racing there. Then he, obviously, with the racing comes the drugs, and he got into the drugs again, or as he calls it, he relapsed. He went in a hostel, not hostel, rehab place, and there's loads of famous people. Um, even famous people's children there. One person he said was Pierce Bronson's son was there and some other people that I don't really remember their names right now. Um, he didn't, I have to add, he didn't want to do this interview 
himself, even though he tells the story so well and so true to life. Um, obviously, it's his personal experience, but I just felt I had to share this this with you. So he relapsed and he started to get really bad. And he always said how he's kept on saying through the whole story, I've got an addictive personality. I don't do things by half. If I do anything, I do it really full. And he said the drugs, which was he called ice. So I assume it's like, I said to him, is it like the Breaking Bad? He's like, he said, yeah, 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 it's that kind of drugs. He said, because of my addictive personality, I need something to try and bring me down and and bring remove the confidence where other people want to get confidence. So he really, he knew his stuff. He knew his stuff. And he's a nice, likable guy. But um, because he relapsed, he ended up back in England. He came back to England and then he went back out to Australia. So he went back to, he went to Australia. He got on a rave scene there, as he does, and he's picking, and he also tried to change his life around and do um, picking crops and stuff in the fields. He explained there's a lot of Italians in Australia. I wasn't aware of that, but yeah, he, he got into that and told some stories about picking crops and what it's like, oranges and all the prickly bushes and all of those things. But he ended up back um, relapsing again and he had a girlfriend and um, she got in, she was on 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 the on the ice as well and so it wasn't really going well then he got himself in a scrape so he said he used to get into quite a few fights and stuff because he just didn't care and um he got in a fight and then ended up getting arrested he got arrested he got put in a, a Australian jail he said the jail was really really um, bad in the sense that it was kind of like one of those, a bit like those Arizona jails that you see when they're out in tents kind of thing, or you're just lying down in the hot sun and there's flies and all these things around. But because he had a cast on um, prior to being arrested because he's, um, he he got in a fight before and someone damaged his arm, that's his wrist, he had a cast on there. So what he did, when the police had come to arrest him and he had drugs on them, he had some weed, he put the weeds in his cast. Now, when he, they didn't check the cast, they didn't open up the cast and check it or have you. So when he was in jail, he decided to tell somebody, and he said, he doesn't know why he said this, that I've got some weed, like, you know, we can smoke a bit later on or something. Next thing he knows, two two guys are coming up to him in the yard He's lying down. They're saying like, "Give us, give it over." Now he's also explained about how drugs, the ice and things like that, and crystal meth, they're very cheap because they're made in Australia. But weed and cocaine's really expensive and hard to get because you have to ship it all the way to that corner of the world, and um, it, it's just it, it's just a long journey. So the cost goes up. So that was very interesting, and because. You never really think about the drug trade, the price being influenced by the distance. You just think it's kind of the same all over. But what do I know? So anyway, these two guys are standing over him, and like you can imagine, he's lying down. It's really hot. There's flies buzzing around on him. He's in this wide off area. Now two guys are broken the sun, put a shadow over him, and saying to him, "Give us your gear." 
So he turned to them and he said, if you weren't pricks, I'd have happily shared with you, but now you're not getting nothing. Anyway, before you know it, everybody in the yard find out he had this contraband, let's say, and a big fight kicked off. Everybody was fighting over about it. Obviously, lockdown came, <laughs> lockdown, and um, he was taken and put in solitary because he was the cause of it, in essence. They chopped his um, cast off and found the drug, so he was even in there for longer. Uh, finally, um, he got sent back home, as in deported back to England. Yeah, and they said he can never come back to Australia again. He did get into some other dramas as well while he was there. It wasn't just the one thing off. But um, I don't, you know, it's not my story and I didn't write it down. And I didn't want to record him because it was, he didn't give me his permission to record, it, record him. But he was happy enough for me to tell a story considering I wasn't going to name his names. So anyway, when he got back to England... Um, he had relapsed and then he'd gone kind of got caught up with the wrong crowd per se and the old Bill got him and they sent him to jail. Now this is a funny thing. They said, he said, all right, well send me to jail near where he lives. It's a nice soft cushy jail. They said, no, that jail, he, he's got a term and the term, I can't remember what the term was, but it's a term to say that jail's full, so you can't go there. You had to go jail up in Coventry. He went, what? I'm not getting up to That's a real hard man's jail. So he said, when he got there, it was terrible. He saw people being stabbed, all these manner of things. There was a hard man that used to run the prison and, all, and he used to have all the screws on bribes and all of this kind of situation. So um, he, he said he... Did he managed to be friends? Obviously, his pu nice personality. He managed to be friends with the main criminal or head jail man, um, how, whatever you call it. You can clearly see I haven't gone to jail from my terminology here. But um, yeah, he's managed to make friends. So everybody who wanted to harm him or cause him problem had to leave him alone because he is good friends with the good guy, with the main guy. Um, finally. He obviously he got out and he's gone into sales and he works for his father. His father's had this established company for 35 years, has even won an award from the Queen for longevity and various other things. And um, he's just, he said he doesn't, he's not happy working with his father. Um, he said he loves what his, his, his father has that ability and stuff, but he just wants more out of life. So he said his father always says to him, why you have all the personality, his six children, his father said, you have all the personality that his father has as himself, but you just use it for the wrong things. You could be so much if you really wanted to, which obviously is inspiring hearing from your father and that. So at the end of the conversation, I said to him, I realised because I had I dropped into North London and then he said, I'm only going to be two minutes. And he was really a quick two minutes. He, he went around the corner. He didn't want me to see where he's going. And then, um, then he jumped back in the car and I took him back. 
But then I realised he must be high or he must be on some things or he's going to get some some drugs or he's either dropping it off to this person. He said, no, he's not a drug dealer, but he ha he's not dropping drugs, but he has relapsed. So I take it that's what he was going to get some more ice or whatever and he didn't want me to see his dealer and he was um that's why his eyes were glazed and really big when he sat in the car and he's but he's based on what he's saying about his personality he's a talkative open guy anyway but my last question i asked him before he got out i said i don't understand what is it that makes you want to do this if you know you could be so much more like your father said. What is it that you, why you need to do it? What is it that's missing for your life? How does it make you feel? And he turned around and said, well, that's actually a good question. He said, I'm just, with my addictive personality, I've started this, so I, I just go all into it. I need to find something to rechannel, channel that energy on a, a habit, whether it's good or bad, some other habit, to and allow me to do what I'm doing. Now, I looked at this and I understood what he said there because I could say I have an addictive personality in the sense that when I do something, I don't do it by halves. I do it full and probably over the top. It depended how you look at it, excuse me. But it was just a real interesting conversation and I really wish that he spoke his story on his own without me having to relay the story like this. But for obvious reasons, he wasn't overly comfortable talking on the mic, even if it is anonymous. He swore to God that people would be able to recognise his voice. And for you, if you are listening to this, I hope I've done the story justice. And um, to the listeners, I hope... It's just an insight into some other somebody else's world and you know how fast moving it can be and all of those things i was giving him my business ideas regarding his father's business because his father was a, like a facilitator who puts if you've got a business idea he can um he find funding for you in that respect and he'd be very good as it as as is pointed out at the start but I was saying to him, what you want to do is if someone comes to you with a good business idea and you manage to persuade your father to help get them to fund it, then you weave yourself in as one of the directors and get a dividend. And he said, he was saying, that's not a bad idea. And I said, well, but he likes to do some stuff creatively. And I said to him, well, if you want to do it creatively, just fund the project as creative and become part of that project and free yourself into it. And that will help you stay off the, off the drugs. And he thought, yeah, that's, that's probably an answer. That sounds like a more than reasonable solution. And um, I don't know, I probably won't see him again. I never see my customers again. But I just thought I'd share that story. I hope this story hasn't bored you. And it's actually in, quite interesting. Um, feel free to like, subscribe and share. Don't forget our other sister podcast, Africa Investing Stories, which is which is here, um, which is twice a week, one of a solo cast, 
and one with an interview. It is the start of season two, so you've got about 15 or 20 episodes for season one that you can catch up on. Um, I hope you like it, and thanks, and peace out. Hi, this is Taxi's Chronicles, and I'm your host, Simon Rushton. Today we got a young guy, he's 23, and he's experienced life quite a bit. I'm actually here with him now, so he's going to be telling us about his thoughts on the British prison industry, and what's he think. So, hi, it's good to have you. You alright, mate? Thank you. For having me. <laughs> okay, so... What do you think of jail? Do you, do you think the British um, prison system is um, tough enough? or? Yeah, it's tough enough. I think, um, obviously, the smoking bans obviously raised, raised the um, violence up a bit more. But, yeah, it's tough enough because you've got the education part of jail, isn't it? Do you feel that it's does the job of rehabilitating or do you think it's just a punishment? I reckon it's just a punishment. Yeah. So, in comparison to other jails around the world that um, you've heard of, how would you how would you say it stands in the sense of punishment? Uh, in in other words, in England, I hear you have PlayStation and things yeah, like that. Yeah, I don't that. think you, know? you should, I don't think you should have PlayStations and Xbox because I think when people go to prison, they think it's like a holiday camp, isn't it? It's like you've got your PlayStation, you got your I think you should take that away from them in prison. Okay. I think you should give them bloody colouring pens and colouring books, isn't it, to deal with? Okay, that's that's interesting. Now, sharing your own experience, obviously this is anonymous. I understand that you've had uh, the misfortune of being in Her Majesty's service. Yeah. What was that about? How how many years was that in total? Well, I've done four years in total. I've been to a young prison when I was 13 to 14, and then 18 to 18 to 20, I went to um, adult prison. I think adult prison is tougher than young prison, but yeah. What would you say the difference is between adult and young, apart from obviously the age group? The age group is more violence in younger prisons than older prisons. Oh, the younger prisons are more violent. I think there's more violence in younger prisons because of got nothing to lose have they so they're fighting all the time there's always fights when I went to older prison you only had a couple of fights like, yeah would you say there is more of a pecking order in the older prison than the younger yeah definitely so everybody knew their place in the older prison yes you knew who's like the daddy or the boss yeah and... you know who the do- daddy or the boss is and you just keep yourself to yourself isn't it okay mm-hmm. So tell us about what was um, your offences. Offences for um, ABH for ABH for fighting and um, driving whilst disqualified, whilst on a band. Okay. And do you remember why you was fighting? Yeah, um, I sprayed someone with acid, but yeah. Okay. And is, is how is that person today? Are they? Um, they're partially blind. Oh, really? Okay, okay. Do you do you regret what you did? Yes, definitely. I definitely regret what I, what I done. Uh, 
do you um, do you ever see that person again? Was it somebody from your neighbourhood? Yeah, yeah. Someone who lives um, close by me. Yes, I still see him, and yeah, we don't really speak anymore. We was friends years ago, but that's what happened, isn't it? Yeah. And, and what was it over? It was over um, cannabis fight. Um, he was selling cannabis, and I, I took it off of him, and sprayed him with limonia. Okay. So talking about leading on to cannabis, how do you think about the like the cannabis? Country, yeah, I, think ca- they, I think they should legalize it in this country, and I think it would, um, the crime rates would go down oh, less. Make it legal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you think America and Canada are leading the way in the fact that they're making it legal? Yeah, I so, think England should be illegal as well. It should be illegal over here. It should be legal or illegal? Illegal. Illegal? Le- no, I mean illegal. Legal. Yeah. Okay, okay, so, just get that right. Do you, um, so all these people who've gone to jail for cannabis crimes, what do you think should happen to them then? Don't think they should go to prison for cannabis. Yeah, but for those... If I the, think the government should be growing it and selling it. They should have coffee shops over here. They shouldn't have dealers on the street. This is why there's loads of people in prison for cannabis. So, do you think it should be something the government should run or the government should allow to be on the open market? So, saying what the government should run. Why not the open market? As in, if I'm a, as a private individual, I want to set up a coffee shop, I can just sell. Obviously, there's regu- I have to pay my tax to the tax to the government, but the government shouldn't dictate to me on how much I can sell and basically be my supplier. Why can I not buy it from some farm or some company in the Caribbean or in South America? Well, yeah, I think it should be both ways, isn't it? Okay. Okay, so you want you want weed to be sold like your like it's just tobacco basically. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Definitely, it bring the it bring the um like it bring the the um like bring it down, wouldn't it? Bring the level of crime down. Okay, okay. So, what um what made you do? Sorry, do you regret? Your your time in jail. Do you think it's changed you for a better man? Yeah, it's, cha- it's definitely changed me. Going to prison definitely changed me because I had a young young lifestyle of being a young youth and always always up to no good. Like, but yeah, going to prison definitely helped me. Yeah, so there's a lot of courses in prison. There's a lot of stuff in prison. What helps you go on the right path and not the wrong path. And as coming out, it's put me on the right path. Did you do it? What courses did you do? I done painting and decorating. I done maths. I done a um, railway course. A railway, okay, that's good. Yeah, in, um, so you're qualified to work on British Rail. Yep. Yeah. Is that a job that you've tried to get since you've come out? Um, I qual- don't want to do the nights. <laughs> I don't want to do the nights. <laughs> I like the day job. I like being in the borough. I <laughs> like being in the borough. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But you'll get a lot more money. Yeah, I'll get a lot more money. Maybe in the future, I'll think about it. I've just got all the cards, so... So it's not about the money. It's more no, about you being about, happy yeah, when you're doing it. Yeah, it's more about me being happy. That's good. So a lot of people haven't been to jail and don't even know that. They don't know it's about being happy. They're searching to 
being accountants and various other things that they just chase the money or they try to please their parents course, in that yeah. respect which is um, I wouldn't say it's the wisest decision to make mm-hmm. so if there's anything you would change you've said you've been in jail about four and a half you've done about four and a half years in jail yeah. So you've probably been there since, let's say, 18, 19. Yeah, 18, yeah? 19. 20. If you were looking at the younger you now, when you were 18, 19, what would you tell that person? What would you tell the younger you? From your experience that you know now? I'd tell them, don't follow your friends. Follow yourself. Lead, lead your own path. Don't follow your friends' path. Okay. So you would say, would you say the younger you was very impressionable? Yeah. And, and you did what? I just did what all my friends did. And I thought that was right, the, the right stuff to do, but obviously it wasn't. Like like cool kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Would you say, um, I assume you obviously you made friends in jail, you had friends yeah. in that line of business or that lived that lifestyle, I should say, yeah, before jail. Would you say they were people who were impressionable? No way. Of or course not. Were, were they? They were leaders. They were leaders as well. You know, everyone in prisons are leaders. They egg each other on to do stuff, and they just end up doing stupid stuff in prison. But I wasn't one of them. I was one that kept myself to myself, done my time, and got home, and now okay. working. You you must see. I assume when you're in jail. Um, I understand they've got different wings, but there's a real kind of real hardened criminals, and I don't mean like let's say the roadman. I mean the lifers. Yeah, the lifers, the ethnic cleansing, the the war crimes, you know, real organised crime. Those kind of people. Yeah. What would you say? What is their attitude? How did they, they? Those people probably run the jail or they kept themselves to themselves. What was the yeah, case? lifers, they're, they're normally working on the servery and stuff like that. They normally got their jobs. They're normally out their cells all day anyway, so... Oh, is it? Yeah, they're normally out their cells all day. Lifers get get the like the big jobs, like cleaners, servery workers, stuff like that. So the lifers, do they give problems? Sometimes, yeah. You get the naughty ones and you get the bad ones, isn't it? So, what's the difference between naughty and bad, in that respect? Naughty and bad? Well, one's just... <laughs> one's, um... You know, one's proper naughty and keeps getting in trouble, and the other one's naughty but gets away with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, that's, that's interesting, that's interesting. Well... Yeah. It's been an interesting conversation with you. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you accepted this um, thing. One last question. What do you see for yourself in the future now? See for myself in the future as um, working, a family, and doing the right stuff, not the wrong stuff. Going down the right path, not the wrong path. Okay. So you see your being an upstanding citizen, yeah. would you say? Yeah, upstanding. abiding citizen. Yes, that's it. Okay. <laughs> Bring in, I'll just throw this question in last night. How do you, what do you think of this coronavirus? Do you think it's real? Do you think it's fake? Are you bothered about it? What's the situation of that? 
well, someone like me, 22 young, 23 year old young lad, I would probably catch it, but in terms of my nan or granddad, they would probably catch it, but yeah, I think it's real. Of course it's real, a lot of people died from it, but I don't know. Do you think everybody should still be indoors, quarantined? Not everyone, the, 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 um, the ones who are vulnerable and could catch it easily, then they should be indoors, but people like young lads like us shouldn't be. I think we should be out working. Work needs to be done. Yeah, okay, I agree with you that. So basically what you're saying is if you're vulnerable, stay at home. Yeah, if you're vulnerable, stay at home. And just be careful who you mix with when you go outside. Yeah, just make sure you do your two metre distance. Make sure you're wearing your mask and make sure you're two metres away. Okay. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, an experienced young guy in life. We all have our experience in many different ways. I hope that was interesting. Please like, share and subscribe. Feel your, feel, uh, check the link below if you want to leave comments about this interview. And if you want more interviews like that, do not forget to check out other podcasts, our Africa Investing Stories. It's about people from around the world who have invested in Africa about their good points, their bad points, their experiences and their thoughts for the future. Okay, and have a nice day.